As you approach the city from a distance, you crest the hill. There is a familiar creature in front of you. What do you do? My uh, my paladin walks up and says, Oi there, little child, what are you doing out here on the hill? Uh, the little child turns around and you realize that he is in fact a, a big, tall, strong man, muscles agleam and shirt off, just flexing constantly. This is your friend, the dungeon master. You look oh, a lot yes. smaller at a, at a distance. Mm. Do I know you? Oh, uh, yes, I am the one leading your quest, you see. Um, I have great quests for you to do if you ever want to get home safely. You looked much scrawnier at a distance. I couldn't really tell because uh, I expected that a dungeon master would be uh, a weakling, a puny child, a, a, a wee thing with no social skills and uh, the ire of all women he asks out. Nope, nope, big, strong, very cool guy. Well, I would have been able to see you at a distance if I had that, if I, if I had access to those binoculars in the last town, but for some reason I was denied access to the store completely arbitrarily. Yes, yes, that was part of your important character growth. You must uh, gain in power before also, you can Also, I couldn't visit the apothecary for my various wounds from the outrageously over-leveled characters that I had to fight just, just, uh, just ahead of the town. Part of the plot, don't know what to tell you. In any case, there is a mighty quest I need to send you on post-haste. It will allow you to return home. That's what you said five towns ago. I'm not taking any more of your. Can I? Can I roll a? Can I roll a diplomacy check with you? I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. Go. Go ahead and try. All right. Uh. Yeah. Natural twenty. That looks okay. Ooh, wow. That's a bad miss. Um, uh, he says. Um, <clears throat> I'm afraid that simply won't do. If if you want to return home, you're going to have to do the most terrible quest of all. You need to do my laundry. Hmm. You know my, my I'm, I, I think I specifically. Oh, your laundry. My mm. laundry. I, you know what? I think I'm going to have to appeal to a higher power. I invoke my deity, Darren's mother. Uh, there's no need to get the deity. Miss Krasinski, can you come down here quick? I mean, your Mom, son is really, really being no a dickish DM, and he just needs to lay off. Mom. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride. Give me a break. I don't like this. Whoa! What's happening? Whoa! Where are we? Look out! Fear not, ranger. Barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Did you do your laundry? No games without your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> only Jewish. Only Jewish is the only answer you... It's the, only, <laughs> it's the only accent you can do for that. Listen, we've gone through 140 episodes of me not being able to do women's voices. Let me have one. <laughs> All right, honestly, this is a pretty good sketch. Like credit where credit is due. You 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 nailed it. <laughs> I totally figured out where you were coming from. <laughs> like, okay, I know exactly what I have to do. I have to thinly veil some uh, 
some left-handed compliments there. Um, before we move forward, we should probably, probably figure out what we're doing with Tim here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says try calling Vok and like end call first. Okay. Um, let's see here. Add him to the call. He's already in the fucking call. I'll remove him from the call and then add him back, though. There you go. Now you're thinking with Cordles. Okay. Nope. Hello? Do you hey. guys... Oh, there you are. Oh, we can see him. Dude, this is awesome. Good what are we looking at? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now we're actually at welcome to the, uh, you know, reasonably large apple. It's pretty large. <laughs> it's like I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> magic technology. So here we are. Uh, you were saying, though, you oh. had just begun the adventure. Don't, no. don't, don't, don't worry about it. We just did an intro, and I'm not going to go back and do it again. So we can just go into the episode. Unless your heart is really set on the intro. I mean, if, if you right, cool. say, like, you've got some goddamn nerve, like, we can fit that in. <laughs> okay, well, that's true. So, <laughs> Okay, well. Excellent. Excellent, excellent and accurate. What is going on over there, bud? <laughs> so we're in uh, Times Square, which is like where the touristist part of the world, you know. Mm -hmm. for, for, for the listener, uh, our guest Tim has decided to GoPro this episode of the podcast. <laughs> it's a bold stance. It's like I'm there on an adventure. It's like I'm in Timo's ear. Yeah. Do you still go by Timo, by the way? I haven't for many years, no. Okay, what should I call you? Uh, I am gas fuck. Gas fuck? It's That's that classic gas fuck wit I'm familiar with. Yeah. So so this is like the go ahead. spot spot, see? No. I, I see a lot of moving lights. It is a, <laughs> I mean, it is nightlife in New York City. Yeah, see, like... Do you live there now? What's going on? No, I just, uh, I'm here for a couple reasons. Okay. But I always pass through here, like, four or five times a month usually so i'm here all the time okay huh. yeah guys caught me <laughs> uh okay I, I don't know if we did i think we invited you to take to go on our podcast i don't know how much of a catching that really is i guess it's kind of like a catching so ben why don't we why don't we introduce uh ourselves and then uh we can uh run down memory lane with timo and then we'll see what uh see what happens next his he goes by gas fuck now he made this very clear Oh my I mistake! I am gas fuck. It's a whole thing. It's it's I am gas fuck. <laughs> oh, it's like a hashtag. I am gas fuck. Okay. Yeah. We'll so we'll get that trending. I am gas fuck. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah. Welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And go ahead and say your name, gas fuck, for the audience, the adoring fans. Hi. Welcome everyone. My name is I am gas fuck, and we are live in downtown Manhattanone. One of us is. Uh, the, re the rest of us are right where we've always been. But yeah, this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we have Gasfuck on the line. For Dungeons and Dragons, the carton cast appears. Roll for initiative. Yeah, uh, so we're going to be talking about the animated Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 1980s. But we're also going to be following, following Gasfuck around New York City for some reason. Uh I'll, I'll be honest, we, we never had a moving podcast episode before, so this should be interesting. It's beautiful. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, Gasfuck, you had a particular reason 
that you wanted to uh, talk about D&D today. It, it pertained to a project that you have. Would you like to summarize it for us? Yeah, it's pretty simple. I want to do adventures the way that they should be done, but with a lot more uh, design and life infused into the actual pages instead of just the text that so many of the best adventures have been concocted from. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to knock them at all. Those things are so perfect that it makes my heart, you know, beat, beat, <laughs> you know, like this. So, uh, okay. What are some examples of the, of the things that you really revere? Um, I'd say a good one that I could speak of highly that the, uh, the design was somewhat lacking in would be called, uh, secret of the slaver's stockade, which secret was, of the Slaver's stockade. Yeah, it was the third installment, I believe, in Against the Slave Lords, which was a campaign from uh, the late 70s, early 80s. No kidding. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I don't have this catalog of knowledge on D&D on D &D in general. I'm just sort of a hobbyist, so it's yeah, interesting well, to hear it. Well, fucking I do. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, you seem to. <laughs> the expert. We actually have a couple of friends uh, who have previously come on the podcast who, you know, they make their living doing, a, like, coming up with D&D campaigns. I believe Bill Adcock just came up with a, with a role-playing thing called We Are All Savages. I don't hmm. remember exactly what the, what the context is, but I'll put a thing in the show notes yeah. just because he's been posting about it a lot. So, so I guess the first question is, you know, what is it about D&D that is so, like, yeah, what that evokes such it? emotion for all of us? Uh, I can go first. Uh, I think that D&D &D was sort of an oasis in the desert in the high school uh, era that, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't into sports. I didn't have any particular career goals that I was uh, adeptly following. I just wanted to go home and watch cartoons and play video games all day. And D&D &D was kind of like the only actual social thing that nerds did. It was that and the board game club that we had uh, in high school. And that was more or less it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like that was just, it was a singular opportunity to actually talk to other nerds without feeling quite as weird as if I had been like at a party with them, you know, you can sort of sink into a role and you can also sort of be, it's half, it's half, uh, it's half socializing and also half, um, playing a video game. So it, it was just kind of that teaspoon of sugar to get the medicine to go down. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I really liked about it. Uh, but what I've no what I've also thought is that as you grow, your appreciation for D and D kind of changes. So it starts as like a power fantasy thing, and now on now at in my middle age, I'm just much more into the role playing aspect. For sure. Tim. Uh, yeah, Gasfuck. Do you? What is your relationship with uh, D and D? Well, uh, I can easily say that everything you said is true. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. I was looking for validation. Zane didn't step in. Yeah, um, I'd say that I didn't do well in uh, like every single type of social aspect. So I kind of had to just be in some area kind of separated from people, just acting crazy. Mm -hmm. And for some reason... It was an I act in those days. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that a bunch of people would just come by and watch me sort of running around like an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what Zane and I are doing right now. So <laughs> there's a market for it. Exactly. And I am gas fuck, so. <laughs> Hashtag I am gas fuck. It's trending. 
Yeah, I remember, you know, we had played D&D growing up um, with our babysitter, and uh, playing with you was really the, the next logical step. I don't know if it's logical, but um, I always enjoyed your campaigns because, you know, you had a way of taking what might otherwise be very stock standard plot lines and having and giving everybody involved a reason to be there and, a, and like an emotional investment to what happened. Um, so that's what I enjoyed about your style. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, so, like, do you think that you found your voice through D&D? Like, what was that like for you? Um, the thing is with D&D, as a DM, you have the many voices, mm. which I needed to be sort of, uh, you know, I would, people could call it whatever you want, an ADD or whatever. I just had to be kind of uh, stretching in all directions. I, I have I have distinct memories of you playing your bass while DMing, which you know it, it did take it did take a bit to get used to, but I think it sort of underlines that uh, that philosophy. You, you were you were always kind of running a couple of things at the same time, um, and that that's true in the campaigns that we used to play together because your games were always fun, but they were always very different and pretty disjointed from the previous game. I, I remember a number of times, and this is not putting you on blast. But I, I remember a number of times where you would ask us what happened the previous <laughs> the previous game, which is you know it's, it's disorienting. But it was always fun, so it didn't really matter. Mm. Um, yeah, a, a thing that I uh, I really enjoyed was uh, I would I have this, this kind of ecstatic uh, creativity that comes uh, a lot of it's natural, but it's it's certainly instigated from smoking marijuana. Okay. <laughs> it, that, that definitely complements it <laughs> but i mean you are a very creative person you you came up with like a lot of i remember um in our first D campaign uh i was a sorcerer and we kind of came up with a backstory together where my character i don't even remember his name but phillips phillips that's right his name was phillips thank you and he his backstory was that he didn't he failed out of magic school so he hijacked one of like these steampunky balloons that he went up to uh <laughs> went up to the Magic University and just kind of, like, forced his way in. Does that ring a bell at all? I'm so enamored by the story you're telling me that I apparently told to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all come full circle. This is, this is uh, yeah, this is a DM's greatest, uh, greatest moment. He yeah. sees his baby first fly and come back to the nest with all the experiences that he gave them. The, the characters, like I said, are were really able to breathe and uh, tell their own stories connected via yours. So I remember I in that campaign, you know, I played a paladin and I just like uh, hamstrung myself every way. I'm like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to not be lawful anymore. So I lose my paladin powers and I'm going to lose my ability to speak. Yeah, you were I'm, mute. I'm just going to run around with a spear and try and do my best. And like we made it work and you like. Oh, he feels underpowered. Let's give him a couple of cool magic items. Like it, it never felt like I was um, not a part of the team, even though I was a couple of years younger and like was hamstringing myself all all the time. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember you also having a special mount of an axe beak, which is like a horse that has an axe on its head. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I don't remember a lot beyond those uh, characters in the campaign. I remember a few things. I remember a few things. For for the listener, also, uh, part of the reason for this is that we want to recollect some stuff from our old D&D &D campaign for posterity, for, yeah. uh, 
for a gas flux project. So uh, bear with us as we trundle down memory lane as best we are able. Gasfuck, do you remember what what is it that you remember about playing D and D with us? Do you remember any specifics, anything about our characters? Yeah, I do. I remember a lot. This is this is good because it's kind of the exact opposite of when an alcoholic dad gets brought on one of those talk shows. <laughs> do you remember what you did? Oh, <laughs> don't even get me started. And he's just crying by the end. This is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be elated by the end. You'll be crying tears of joy. Oh, I thought he meant he started crying. Oh, oh I, I mean, I guess you can be an opposite in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, tell, tell us what you remember. Uh, well, first of all, I remember distinctly, yeah, your name was Phillips. Uh, you were a sorcerer. I believe we started at second level. It was pretty pretty low level, yeah. Uh, second level to, so that you just didn't get, like, you know, KO'd in the opening credits? Yeah, that had happened once. Yeah. That did happen once. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and we and we played for quite a long time. You know, this was like a weekly thing for like at least a year. I was getting uh, sometimes uh, kickbacks from the dragon themselves to uh, run weekly games. Really? Uh, so um, I would do as many as I could. Uh, sometimes. That's cool. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I just figured you. Oh boy. Can you guys see me now? Uh, yeah, we're good. Okay. I'm just uh, standing outside of this place till I charging my phone. Oh, oh smart. <laughs> well, that if, if you that. need to worry, if you're worried about um, if you're worried about charge, you you can um, turn off the video. It's not doing much for us. Oh, I kind of okay. enjoy- no offense. <laughs> I mean, I kind of enjoyed it, but whatever. I was gonna say, it, it, I was glad that you guys at least got to see the um, the downtown area. So yeah. Um, I was actually want- in Manhattan a, a couple weeks back, actually, visiting a, another friend of mine there. Yeah, so, I mean, at least you guys know I wasn't full of shit, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, whether or not I think you're full of shit has very little to do with my enjoyment of you, historically. So I, I wouldn't worry too much. You guys live in Philadelphia, so yeah, I mean, that's part of the system. Yeah. <laughs> system. Uh, we, re- we run on shit. Yeah. That's uh, that's our thing. Uh, I can bring a couple of details to mind just because I happen to remember them. I, you know, when we started playing, I was in my power fantasy min maxing kind of phase. I was, you know, I wanted all of the cool things and to just better my character because that's how video games work. I, I didn't have any context that D and D was really more about the story. Um, so there were a couple of moments like I tried for a bunch of weeks to like put time and energy into crafting boots of levitation for like no reason but Mm -hmm. i was just i was very into the idea of crafting my own magical gear um Mm -hmm. there was this one time where i think i i killed some sort of chitinous insect monster and tried to make him into armor so that i could use it without my spell chance failure uh increasing but right you know, these are all very disjointed memories. They they don't cohere into any sort of narrative framework. Do, well, are these? Well, these are the... about... I'm sorry. What was the question? I was just wondering if if you recall either of those things. Yeah, I recall a lot of things. Some of the things I don't recall, but uh, I remember you had a grappling hook wrist gauntlet. I did. I had a <laughs> grappling hook wrist shooter that you were kind enough to give me. I I that was good. Just to have someone with one of those, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um, I think I one time we were on a just a D and D memory us. One time we were on a boat 
and I grappling hooked to the side of the boat while casting levitate so that the boat dragged me like a kite as it was going through. And we, I was, I kind of had them like it was Mexican standoff situation where they had their crossbows pointed at me and I was just like ready to set the ship on fire with scorching Ray. Um, That's just like one of the other random memories that sticks out to me. That sounds so freaking cool. It sounds cool. To me. I mean, I thought it was cool at the time. So this is this is the biggest thing that I think I took from you and that I have because I've DM'd, you know, four or so games so far. And it's the idea that, like, nothing's off limits. You can do whatever you want using the system you're given. And, and the, the mark of a good DM is can you find a way to get to yes? Can you find a way to make somebody's cool idea work however that has to go? That's exactly it. I can say that that's 100% correct. If you don't do that, you're going to just have no one to play with, and you should be playing whatever World of Warcraft by yourself in your underwear, you know? <laughs> well, that's the other thing, is I was, you know, by playing with you in this public uh, place, I met people I would never have otherwise met, so I, I remember well, more their... Have met. Well, I shouldn't. Have, I was too. I was young and impressionable, <laughs> but like I remember the characters more than you know the the people. I remember the rogue who didn't actually wasn't actually good at skills, but trained rats, and the rats did the skills. What? <laughs> <laughs> who did that? <laughs> I think it was awesome. Lauren. Was her name? Uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember a Lauren. That was uh, Lauren's character. Yeah, it was amazing. I've always wanted to recreate that because <laughs> it's so creative. I should contact uh, her about that. I remember. Uh, I this remember might have been... Wits. He was, but I think he was from another campaign. Yeah, he was in the Red Hand of Doom campaign that we couldn't ever really get off the ground. But he played a chaos gnome who was the strongest gnome in the world and dual wielded crossbows. <laughs> and his name kept changing. But I think it was uh, Gurus Stravicki von Volenstein. Like, How do you remember this? These are the things that stuck out to me. <laughs> like, I barely remembered that I had a grappling hook. So uh, this was this was you know you mentioned the the kickbacks you got and one of them was uh, an adventure book called The Red Hand of Doom, three point five adventure. Amazing, classic, not as highly known as like Tomb of Horrors, but pretty good. Uh, and like we ran a couple of, of uh, uh, sessions with that. And then you're like, OK, you read this. You take over. You try yeah, and be the DM. Specifically, you said that, that you, you were like, hey, can I borrow that? I was like, yeah, for sure. Like you, you express interest in it. I remember. Oh, I love that campaign. I've I've run it a couple times now. Actually, it's it's one of my favorites. Uh, but you were just like, yeah. You can DM. Anyone can DM. Anyone can do anything. <laughs> yeah, why not, dude? Like, why not, indeed? I don't uh, think I ever got as explicit a, hey, you can DM thing from you, but I definitely, you know, I later would DM my own games, and something I picked up from you is the thing that you were talking about, of like how to get to yes, is that, you know, I would have statistics, I would have numbers, but they kind of fell away when I just wanted people to be able to enjoy the story and their characters and let them do cool shit. And, like, something that I actually want to talk about in context to the show is it lets all the characters do cool shit when they want to. Nobody, like, tries to pole vault and just fucking smacks into a wall. That never happens. <laughs> you know? There was, to, to be honest, there was an earlier uh, campaign that I ran in high school with, uh, uh, you guys weren't present in it, but that one, I was probably a little bit more vindictive uh, <laughs> vindictive what do you mean by that vindictive but i let players get pretty fucked up 
and I let players fuck other players up. And I just, you know, people started to just not have fun playing. And I was like, why would you play if you're not having fun, honestly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so, that's like a pretty adult lesson to learn at that age. I, I think that's a that's pretty cool that you that you were able to incorporate that into this hobby that you have. It was we were all these metalhead kids. We were all into like kicking each other, like physically hitting each other. So, you know, <laughs> with you guys, I, yeah. the video game guys. So it was more let's have fun games to play, you know, so like. I accepted that, and it, it was actually at a time that I was incredibly interested in music. I still am, obviously, but I was I was studying it uh, yeah. quite a lot, improvisational music specifically. And so, D and D to me was an expression of improvisation uh, that made sense to me in the same vein. And so, totally. the were harmonious at that specific time in my life. Um, That's awesome. You, you know, Zayna actually did improv a lot in college, and I would be surprised if there weren't, like, similarities between improv for comedy and improv for D&D. It's just... Oh, yeah. It, they're all under this banner of one way to train your brain. It's it, awesome it that you were able to do the that. Itch. <laughs> do that with music and with D&D. Yeah, uh, D&D, I think it's it's good to have the, the system of rules that looks kind of like a matrix. Like, if you look at the number systems, you see uh, outlines form. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can see kind of the intent behind it. You can see, like, why are there synergy bonuses? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing about a really good DM is they are actually God. Um, <laughs> so they have to play a good God, a.k.a. not necessarily a lawful good God, but a, a God that has wisdom over the world and is like, you know, is there going to be stuff that... Because I've seen DMs who... You are not going to survive their game. That's it. That's that's their mission. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you do you tend to chafe at that uh, management philosophy? Well, I'm saying I've run those games and they're they suck because they're over the first session. <laughs> <laughs> so some people are in for that. Like uh, I, you know, I know that a lot of uh, Lovecraft inspired D and D. If the characters don't go insane, they feel like they didn't get their money's worth. That's different. That that's the point of the game, though. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I guess it, it's all about the context of what kind of thing you're doing. I want to I want to help out a little bit because I do remember a few more things about the, the games that we that we played um, just sort it, of. And, and it ties into this idea of, of fairness because it was never, you know, like, oh, you're going to die for no reason. It was always there's going to be a risk reward. So like, oh, the classic. Yeah, there's a treasure behind the waterfall. But. There's piranhas in the water next to it, so you have to, you know, you can pass it by if you want, but you know you want it. Um, there or like, yeah, you you get to adventure on a boat. There's a high seas thing, but like, there's gonna be a monster there. Like everything's a push and pull, and that balance I thought was uh, really good at never like. It was uh, it always gave us two or three options. It never railroaded us. It didn't give us choice or anxiety. It was just like, you know, roughly what you can do. Um, I'd say my style as a DM is to make a very colorful world for people to be in. Yeah. I think you succeeded at that, honestly. Like, I, I, as I said, it was, uh, it was not always cohesive or consistent, but it was, always, it was always pretty colorful. It was always fun to walk around in your worlds. Yeah. That's why I've come back to it for actual reasons to depict it, you know, because it's like, I do recall it being quite awesome, you know? Um, <laughs> And uh, that's because of everyone involved. So uh, there's so many aspects of it that if they're because to be honest, I've gotten way better at uh, actually drawing than I ever was when I was a DM back mm. in the day. Um, I was I could 
you could see what I was drawing as a concept, but it wasn't a technically good drawing. Right. Um, so I just got to, I got honestly into Hollywood because I wanted to make films because that was a big segue that I was hoping to, to have all that improv acting development stuff go into film. That was, that was my goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get into the film industry and it's, it's right now it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) It sucks. It's just remakes of garbage to be played in like two theaters in China. It's ridiculous. I I guess there's only one guy who can do midsummer, huh? (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's just not it's just yeah you know what i mean so like i i went i'm like wait what did i get into this to start with well it's to make these ideas happen well what's the easiest way for me to make these ideas happen would be to draw them you know yeah uh, to act them out is the be- is obviously the best way because we're all imagining it together um but to depict it so that someone doesn't have to be in that exact setting the best way for me specifically to do it is to draw it that's awesome. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Not to get too personal, but like, I was on track to get a P- a physics PhD for a long time before I like took stock of the fact that I really didn't want to be in academia because of a number of reasons, and just fucking broke off and tried to do something else. So I recognize kind of the wisdom in taking stock of: Am I still on the path toward what I wanted to do, and just breaking away if it doesn't work? Yeah, because the films could always just happen as a result. What are they making today? Comic book movies. You know, tons. Right. Of them. Yeah. Not really good interpretations of the comics, but that's what that's what's on the menu. I was making yeah. someone that looked at me they're like, hey, is there any money in that? I almost put them through a window. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, no, I forgot. Something's interesting. Something certainly is interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the idea that you have to enjoy it and like if you're in the midst of a process and you don't enjoy it, it's time to try something else. That also works in D&D. You know, I've run so, games and there's times when I know that player is not enjoying that character anymore. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to fudge things a little to get them killed. Let them roll up a new one that they yeah. enjoy better. Why not just place them against like a number of precariously placed cliffs and, and chasms and just like <laughs> let nature take its course. Yeah, I would prefer to make them just start enjoying the character. Mm. You know, if that was impossible, then it's impossible. But I would prefer because to, to be honest, that was a that was a strong uh, motivating factor for me is if people didn't look like they were enjoying the game. That was a challenge to me to make the game more enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Some people don't interpret it like that. Like they want people to just feel anguish from whatever they're making the character go through. Uh, that's like a hardcore gamer ass like idea that like, you know, where they're like, it's funny because my first interpretation of the game was that the dungeon master is an actual physical entity called dungeon master. No uh, right. Not at all. The one in the video or in the, in the, the cartoon, because the one in the cartoon is a good guy who's kind of like chill. The one I had to pick. <laughs> I mean, is he? It's not clear what he wants. He's pretty dickish. Like, I, I don't know if he's a good guy. <laughs> Yoda-esque. Yoda-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda with just, like, a combination of, like, Yoda and, like, uh, the Marx Brothers. Like, it just, like, he's he's sort of good, but he's also a kind of a wise-cracking jackass. Like, well, making he, puns and shit. Because you know that whole just theory of, like, oh, well, a wizard did it? That's that in that There show. he is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so my first time I ever ran a game, it was I was thought I was the dungeon master and I just was like behind. I had seen DM screens, so I set up books like a DM screen and I'm like, <laughs> I'm the dungeon master. And I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> I love it. I feel like every person who plays D&D like just looks at the veneer of how things work and just like tries to copy it. Right. Um, I, I think 
the first I'm trying, I've been opening up a lot of weird avenues in my memory because once you remember one thing, it starts to unravel some more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one time I had run, I'd been in cool games. Uh, it was just around the time third edition went into 3.5 Oriental adventures was like the, if you were playing D and D, you were playing Oriental adventures. Yep. I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when everyone was just a samurai. I remember. It was, so per- it was amazing though. The Oriental adventures was an amazing book as a th- third edition uh, supplement. Um, but anyway, so I just was like, okay, uh, let me just crack this out real quick. And I sat there with, with three people waiting, like, like you're cooking for people. And I came up with a game. Yeah. And it was a really, really dynamic dungeon that I don't normally come up with. Like, I don't normally come up with things that resemble what Gary Gygax would have come up with, which is a cool board game that's like more like a theatrical interpretation of it than it is just like a standard one. So this, this actually resembled that, which those are the ones I like. Those are the ones I normally am trying to go for and don't come up with that at all. So I just try to do like uh, comedy or, and stuff. Um, but this one did resemble that. And it was when I was like 12 years old. Um, and it was third edition. And I can remember it distinctly to this day. And it had all the high points. They literally got to the top of the tower and they had to fight the bad guy in there. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. it, it fit. And we, it was, it was, we gave the blows went back and forth. I went in this game that was pre-written the other day to teach some kids how to play D&D. And a really well-written game, dude, you get the, the, the players to the very brink of death, but you don't kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They might die, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't kill them. They had all. They had the option. Yeah, they had the opportunity <laughs> to get out. Well, that was a. Uh, that's one of the uh, set pieces I remember most from from your game was like there was a big battlefield with like orcs and stuff, and it's like yeah, okay, that's kind of generic, uh, and we had to like either talk with them or fight with them or something, but it was on top of not a hill but like a volcano that was semi dormant, and so everything had that little bit of extra like we're on a time crunch here. We don't know when this sucker's gonna blow. <laughs> That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one either. My, my memory is really fading. I do remember Big John. Do you remember Big John? I have put Big John in every game. <laughs> Big John was an important sort of uh, like sort of like a recognition that there's some type of tie-in to all everything. You know what I mean? Oh, like, like, it, like the Cosmere? Like Brandon Sanderson has like the one character that like just hops dimensions between all his books. I don't know. Uh, okay. I, it was sort of the only thing I could remember from an earlier game. So I started <laughs> bring it back up. So I was like, hey, remember this? Still the same thing. Uh, yeah. This, this weird, guy. like, innkeeper barkeep who was in every adventure, in every inn, who knew us all personally, who would sell us the best wine in the world, as it was labeled, but it was actually terrible. That's and right. who, like, whose intelligence seemed to change on a dime and who would, like, have just magical items appear near it was like like clearly an anomaly but like very vivid it's almost as though you remember that he existed but did not quite remember what he was supposed to do (laughs) do you want to know who he is a literal amalgam of in my yes two people please okay you remember yes did you ever meet her mother well by the way we're gonna bleep the last names just just to be safe just (laughs) because you know yeah uh, I think one time I did, I was like walking her home or something. I think she was wearing a rogues do it from behind shirt. I think I, <laughs> I, think, I think I very vaguely met her mom. 
and then uh, the other person is the manager of Tex-Mex, who was my very first boss. That's right. The most knowledgeable person when it came to music I've ever met, and sometimes he would break into the safe and go on a crack bender. <laughs> I, I I recall like there was like a three month period where the thing to do after school because we were you know a bunch of chuckle fucks without good ec- extracurricular activities to kind of just sate our extra time we would just like make a habit of going down to Tex-Mex for no reason I think it's just like it was the newest restaurant so it was like kind of gimmicky and fun to fun to hang out at God I fucking miss Tex-Mex dude it is to this day my very very favorite incarnation of bullshit Mexican food <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is why I love D and D because I get to meet these fascinating people from the comfort and safety of my own home. Yeah, you get to meet my sort of uh, weird um, projection of them. Yes. So, so is Amber's mom and your Tex-Mex boss? It's People Plus. It is, it is the amalgamation of the, that that made it into it as a character. So typical. So yeah, actually, technically, I might think that would render him a god. <laughs> I mean, they were. Yeah, one of them must have been a god in our world. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, how do you how do you feel about uh? Do you do you want to continue just D and D discussion, or did you want to talk about your projects, or we can go into the actual animated series? To be honest, I could go for a, like a part two episode of this because I could just continuously talk to you guys about the <laughs> games themselves and the the philosophy and the interpretation that was associated with them. You know, it's just that that's why. I've re- I've started revisiting it because of that. There's an endless amount of uh, stuff that I'm being retold by myself. It's, it's yeah, it's super uh, masturbatory, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah. like masturbating. Yeah. So I, why don't we why don't we do it like this? Why don't I just explain some of the basics of the show, and then um, we can just like touch on well, this happened in the show. How how would it have been as actual D and D, and we can use that as a springboard, maybe. Sure. Yeah, let's let's try to. I, I do want to make this episode to like. I do want to make sure that it encompasses enough of the actual show. But like, there's nothing stopping us from just having you back on at a later date for more of just fucking this. <laughs> like, there's nothing stopping us. That's true. Um, yeah, because like I have what's the first draft incarnate of this. It's a campaign setting comic book. That's all I can really describe it as. Nice. Um, so it's it's in the incarnation of the first draft. I have the format basically figured out. So what I would like to obviously do is have a presentation of it and then be like, hey, you, this is where you can find these cool things that we've been talking about, you know? So it's like, because um, a lot, to trust me, a lot of those games are, are influential in how you're going to like look at it and be like, wow, that, that that's like very reminiscent. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, Trust me, there's a ton of stuff that I really remember about not necessarily how it was interpreted, but how I was seeing it in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we can definitely touch on that again. Yeah. Like, you know, since, like, the map, for instance, of the world that you guys are played in and the way it is now, it's the exact same map. I, you know I remember it. You're going to show me it, I'm sure, and I'm going to be like, yeah, that's where that was. If, right. if you can get an image to us, I want to see it. Like, take, <laughs> take a picture later and send it to me. Maybe it'll, like, jog my memory. We can just have, like, an ongoing kind of Facebook thread of, like, here's some other details I remember, and maybe that'll... Yeah. Maybe, maybe no. yeah, we can take this offline and yeah, just continue to point. continue to help you out there. Yeah, 100%. I would want to incorporate you guys, you know, like, in part of, like, you know, like, like the accreditations and stuff like that. I don't know how they did it for things like Dragonlance, 
But, you know, those were campaigns that turned into campaign settings, right? Uh huh. That's amazing. I actually had no idea. Yeah, that's why it was like multiple writers. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, it was it was Terrence McKenna and someone, or not Terrence McKenna. There was two writers. Anyway, um, but yeah. The, anyway, that that's something that, that's just been done. But yeah, so like yeah, we can just continue that as another thread. So yeah, if you guys want to just jump right into the uh, the cartoon, that's what this podcast is about. So uh, you know, without further ado. According to this, we're somewhere near Merlin's castle. Oh, right! Merlin the Magician! He's supposed to be able to work miracles! According to legend, Merlin can do anything. Even get us home? If Merlin can't, no one can. Huh? Merlin's castle that way. But that's the way we just came. We couldn't have missed it. Not a whole castle. Well, according to these signs, it should be right here. I don't get it. I do. We forgot to look up. Wow! He lives in a castle in the sky? Where'd you expect Merlin to live? Well, before Merlin can help us get home, someone's gonna have to help us get to Merlin. Hey, look! A ladder! Everyone, follow me! Yeah, no, th- thanks for letting us follow on that on that train for a bit. We'll, we'll jump back in. So let me just start off with the production. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons ran in uh, from 1983 to 1985 on CBS, which is just weird to think about because that's CBS. Because, yes. uh, it was produced by Marvel Productions, uh, oh. which actually did a bunch of classic 80s merchandising heavy cartoons, as well as TSR, the game company, which publishes the D&D games and was bought yeah. by Wizards of the Coast. I uh, I when I when I first saw this like the, the biggest vibes that I got were like Hanna Barbera actually so it surprised me that it was Marvel but uh, considering Bitch-ass that Marvel is how I interpreted it <laughs> but given that uh, given that Marvel also did GI Joe I'm I'm starting to see the recollection there um, this is kind of an interesting show to me because in the era in which it was produced like the mid 80s. Uh, we, we were like headlong into that limited animation, cut costs at every turn kind of thing. This this didn't do that as much, and it's remembered fondly by many. I think because, in some ways, it it, it was a little bit more faithfully action oriented than a lot of the actual action shows at the time. Like, I I didn't see the characters doing the same actions like stock standard actions, cut paste sort of stuff. Like it it actually. It actually felt pretty action-oriented for what is mm-hmm. ostensibly just a, a dumb kids show. Um, it was canceled due to declining ratings, but not... Uh, uh, interestingly, people thought that it got canceled due to violence and sort of like a backlash from parents. Uh, it did not. <laughs> it just, like, it didn't get good enough ratings, so they, they canceled it. That is... I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing about D&D itself is it does have a visceral aspect, which people weren't really used to in, like kids um, yeah stories which is that you die you know there, there was that D fever basic like that was predicated on a lot of that right that the whole satan panic kind yeah, of thing it's, that... it's satan worshiping yeah and also people having a psychological problem with kids who had another uh who had another personality oh yeah sure or like i mean i'm sure that a lot of people i'm, I'm sure that a lot of kids uh you know worked out a lot of their uh, that there are their personal issues through the character, like the act of playing a role that's sort of setting you up for like being someone that you're scared to be in the real world. I'm sure that like parents were afraid that like, Oh, they're going to play as a girl. This is going to make them queer. You know, that whole thing. It Did just... you ever see uh heavy metal, the movie? No. What is it? 
It's the, it's based on the comic book heavy metal or the the magazine, the comic magazine heavy metal. But it's a bunch of vignettes, a bunch of animation vignettes. Very very good. But one of the ones I'm bringing up is the one where John Candy just becomes essentially Doctor Manhattan in a real <laughs> hypersexualized. Yes, world. And a thousand so times bad. yes. Because he used to just be a shrimp and a nobody, and now he's like you know not so like you know. He found the well of ascension. It was a super weird one. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty cool. It's obviously it's every. I, I love heavy metal and stuff, and I, I I work in themes that are reminiscent of that. And it's stuff that a lot of times gets somewhat of a backlash from today's audiences because it's not aiming to sort of uh, right any wrongs, I guess. It's not. It's There's not, no moral core. Exactly. It's not political at all. It's it's, it's not uh, coming from any like. Uh, it's not. It's not trying to tell anyone anything other than what it is. Like know? there's no societal message, is what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's about the craft, not the message behind it. Right, and I think that that has a timeless quality, which is important in certain things. I think that certain things get dated, and uh, certain things don't. And that one big difference is not being completely tied in with... Obviously, you're tied in with your experiences, but not being tied in with like some type of zeitgeist. Can I give you a recommendation real quick, just because you said heavy <laughs> metal and comics? And have you ever heard of the comic Murder Falcon? No, I have not. It's it's one of those kind of crazy, like, really harsh, really uh, self-aggrandizing, uh, heavy violence nonsense kind of comics where the main character is a metalhead and he summons a gigantic cyborg chicken that punches aliens with a guitar. That sounds really awesome. It sounds right up your alley. So you mentioned, like, the zeitgeist and... You know, this show, because it's so 80s, is very much like classic good versus evil mentality. Um, and I think a lot of D&D since then have, has, uh, since the early days, has moved away from that sort of Tolkienian high fantasy and has expanded much more into other genres. Um, th this show was done way back in first edition, um, and there just wasn't a ton of vocabulary for moving beyond that type of story. I mean, I don't know how much... Yeah, so there's like an element of this show, like the animated D and D show oh. is not D and D, right? It's you know it's 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 a it's got a D and D skin over it. There, all the characters say there's certain classes, but you're not doing the things that you actually see in a D and D game, like shopping for potions and sure. fucking up your athletics checks. And yeah, it's like, different. And it like moves, planning it moves fast. Things it it moves fast because it had to. Like, how else do you do a cartoon? But it isn't really D and D. It's like a it's it's like a sample. It's like this first sample's free. If you if you're enjoying the things that this show is giving you, try D and D because it's it's yeah. not exactly the same experience. But this is like a springboard to get you into that stuff. Also, D and D was seen as a kids thing, so they could not for five seconds fathom that there wasn't going to be a bunch of marketing, like a bunch of toys involved. So you look back at eighties toys. There's yeah. Like D and D as a line of toys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, this was. That's what a lot of the cartoons that we know and love are based entirely on is selling a, a bunch of toys. So Up until um, DuckTales, that was the market for cartoons, is, is that it was just an excuse to sell toys. Yeah. Um, so, you know what I mean? I understand them, them getting pigeonholed in certain things. Like, oh, that's what a barbarian looks like. And video games do that, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, so I, I actually think that there's some things that are fun about that simplifying of all the concepts. Because, dude, if you just sit here with all of the books and you want to make up the most ridiculous characters all day that's gonna be uh first of all there's a, 
a good TV show. I'm just gonna reference it real quick. Have you guys ever seen the show Farscape? Oh, I've heard of it. I, I've I been wanting to check it out. Someone watched it who played in our games and said, This is like a sci fi version of what you were doing. And I was like, Okay. So oh, wow. Actually, I, I showed it to him and then he was look he showed it to me. Well, no, I showed it to him and his <laughs> critique of it was that this is like your games with sci fi. I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't think about it that way, but it, it's basically it's uh, got that level of integrity in the design aspects of it. Like that's why you can watch every episode because these uh, the, the the physicality of it is so so dense. But also the story is just constantly going into different like uh, it's just never getting tired. It's never rehashing itself. It's just you know um, it, it's like perpetually developing. It's it's never yeah it never gets pigeonholed. Yeah, which is something that that they were not looking to do with a kids' TV show in the eighties. Right, I, I actually uh, thought that the I actually thought that each episode was kind of a good one shot. You know, yeah. like, like they start off from a pretty well defined place. Our main goal is to get home, but you know, uh, evil Hordak or whoever the villain's name is, he kidnaps our barbarian. Yeah. Well, we have to get him back. Well, it turns out there's a traitor on the team. Well, he's not actually a traitor. He's just working for the other side so they can reveal where the barbarian is. Like it, it, it's. It's well contained enough for a single D and D like uh, yeah. a sit down four hours session. Like I am the barbarian. This is my role. This is my basic personality. The game's rules used to be consolidated like that as well. Like elf was a class and a a race. That's yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> that sounds like a that's uh, that sounds to me like a foreign language you are speaking. That's uh. That game, one of the things I remember you guys having from your old uh, babysitter was he had this module that was like an endless staircase or a really complex staircase where every single step had a different thing that was going to happen to you. Oh, my goodness. You <laughs> like Final that? Fantasy 1, like that one cave in Final <laughs> Fantasy 1. Really, really, really awesome. But I was like, that was so much more complex than a regular game at that time. And trust me, in second edition, they went into a whole new universe and never came back. They actually brought it back down to Earth for third edition. Like, yeah. Dude, second edition literally was like people were starting cults. You know what I mean? It was like. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, you find some modules and you're like, what, is this like a one of a kind written in blood? This is crazy. <laughs> Fun have you, story. Have you, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Fun story about those uh, those original modules. Our babysitter left those with us, and when he went off to go li live his life, and like twenty years later, we give them back to him when he came to visit. Yeah, like, when he <laughs> yeah he's got kids now, and he he wants to share it with them, so we just like give him back his old manuals and be like, oh here, you'll they'll enjoy this. Yeah, yeah I've hung on to a lot of material, honestly, more than like a normal person should probably have, like several boxes, but it's all stuff that's like to me, uh, you're not gonna find it again. You know? And there's, it's also sentiment. It's also sentimental, right? Like yeah, old characters you, you never have, got to use, old plot threads that didn't go anywhere. You clearly have a, like a lot of uh, affection for the memories that you you helped create with us in those campaigns. So it makes sense that you'd have some fondness for the physical items that went along with that. I don't yeah, think that I, I don't think that's weird at all. Well, I was gonna say also, it's it, those are what I'm designing myself. So you, I would need them as a reference tool. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? In a lot of different ways. So yeah. they're, they're essentially tools. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, for for me, I, um, you know, I've run a few games and I try to have some sort of record of, of what happened. So, if, 
you know, two of the campaigns that I ran, I took notes and wrote a little story after each session as like different chapters. And then one of them was a, a play by post that Ben played in. That and was we, super fun. It, it was, was like, like over the course of a couple of years. years. Yeah. Um, and I was looking back at some of them and I realized like I'm shoving a ton of sci-fi stuff in here, like time travel, teleportation, you know, shrinking, all these things just injecting ideas from comic books and it's it's flexible enough but like i don't know there's something about this medium that just like if everyone's game to tell a story the limits are are just uh, they're unlimited right <laughs> let, let, let me use your play-by-post thing as a way to tie it back into the thing that we're watching which yeah. is so the animated series D D. I think it actually does something really cool, which is that the characters are not uniformly one age and they're not uniformly one type of enjoying where they are. Right. Right. So Bobby, he's the barbarian. He's like half the age of everyone else. He's like a six year old. He's like Bam Bam. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he uh, his enjoyment of the game is running at the problem and swinging the club like he wants to be Conan. He wants to be someone stronger than he is. He's he's just in the power fantasy element of it. Right. But the thief character is all about like trying to keep the party together. And the cavalier is trying to, you know, it is just like, I don't want to fucking play this <laughs> more, more or less. <laughs> like they're all interacting with D and D in a very different way. And I think that actually mirrors the different ways that you can have a relationship with D and D. When mm -hmm. I was young, I was way into like, I mean, like I never read, you know, the, the whole Drizzt thing. Like I was never into that fascination, but I was a much more, pretentious little shit and that is uh referenced by the play-by-post campaign that you did because i'm always doing these flowery prose and and trying to make myself sound cool and i just sound like a dipshit and like <laughs> it wasn't until recently that i realized that that person fucking sucks <laughs> and like i i don't want to be him anymore so because like now i engage with it in like a in like a much more uh much more let's try to create a story together and not a, as much a I want to be the cool guy kind of way. Yeah. I don't have ever had a problem with people always playing to their strengths in D&D. &D. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite kind of player? Like if you were to pick one of the characters in this show as a player in your game, do you, do you think you know who it would be? Um, I mean, I was, remember like the like Ranger is the leader. He's mm -hmm. the leader shoots like uh you guys hear that someone just screamed the f word it was awesome um <laughs> uh, that's why we do it we want to be awesome you know to be honest i don't fully think of any of them in those terms but do you remember the nightmare on elm street i think like the sixth or the seventh one which had a a, a D, D player in it no, <laughs> no of course i don't <laughs> the sixth or seventh <laughs> nightmare on elm street <laughs> Yeah, uh, no like the seventh one or something. It was it was a bunch into it. A single character looked at what they were experiencing in the dreams and was like, "Dude, do you guys understand what this is? We have like I, you can do whatever you want. It's a dream, you know. Yeah. We have these magical powers, and he decides to be like a total like wizard and just nerds out in the dreams, and then obviously it's killed. But like, uh, <laughs> obviously, he has yeah. to. He had it coming. Too big yeah. for his britches. So that's what I've always wanted it to be is a lucid dream mm. um, where there's dreams have their own um, uh, set of what uh, boundaries that are interpreted by your own brain. You know, you can sure. feel pain in a dream based on whether or not your brain says, all right, that's what you feel now. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really it really relies on your commitment to be in the D&D campaign and not be a person playing a D&D character. Yeah. And that that, that comes with experience. Like that I think that's actually why I like uh the uh I really like the uh the the magician character cuz he he kind of throws himself really into it. Like he's really invested in being a good D&D character. Like Yeah. And, like and he's most, got he's got shitty magic, but like He's got, like, David Blaine-style magic, not, like, (laughs) Harry Dresden-style magic. He, like, tries to make a rhyme and uh, pulls some bullshit out of a hat that's always, like, a genie-wish interpretation of the thing he was trying to cast. Yeah, yeah. He's like, blow these guys away, and and he'll, like, cast his spell, and his hat will sneeze and inflate. Like, it's just dumb puns. But he's so insecure because he's a nerd in the 80s. So, like, it (laughs) makes sense in, in regards to his character. And he's got such a sense of inadequacy. Like, they find something magic, and he's both amazed and ashamed. He's like, why can't I be like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's actual, like, character in that. And he's, like, pretty invested in making sure his character is uh, is doing the things that he wants to do in order to help the party. Like, he, like, you do get the impression that he's trying to be a good magician, not trying to be a good person. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. I, I think that he would be the one I like. Did you have any other like characters that you took note of? I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of like what my what my favorite type of player would be, and it's honestly there's so many types that I don't really have particular favorite kind. But I kind of like the barbarian. Try to not like play with often is is simply people who um would try to use the game to fulfill something they can't in real life. Oh, yeah. You're talking about, like, the uh, the, the Tome of Sin or whatever the, the hell that uh, source book is? There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff, but it's like they just want to be a bully in the game or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually like, have I... an easier time with that. The, the, the one that I dislike playing with is the person who only sort of wants to play and is is just trying to make numbers go up and is just trying to put check marks next to quests, you know? Like, well, yeah, the lack the, of enthusiasm is, is never, ever going to be helpful. Yeah. To, so. They're treating it like it's World of Warcraft. Yeah, exactly. And you can't do that. Right, that's what the acrobat does in this show, mm-hmm. is, you know, she just, like, this is the time where my powers work good, so I'm going to do them and then step out of the way. It's like, yeah, well, it would help if you also had a voice, you know? I don't, yeah, they I don't, don't know. They don't Maybe use her a ton, but I, I liked her. I actually really liked uh, the Cavalier. Um, he's, he's just really, he's just a shitty bully that shouldn't be playing D anD D with no, the rest of the. It's, he doesn't want to be there. He's <laughs> acting as a foil to everybody else because they're all like gung ho. Oh, let's let's right wrongs and be good. And he's just so skeptical of every quest giver. They're like, we fought the evil forces of this world, and he just smiles and like, yeah, sure you did. Sure you <laughs> did. Yeah. He's, He's a he's like a a, a molder kind yeah, of figure. He's very pompous, but I, I I I do like him because like he's willing to interact with things the way an actual person might, which is like I do not want to be involved in this. I, I didn't like does. him. I didn't like him that much because I thought he was pandering to the nerd demographic that would watch the show. It's like, hey, look, this is the bully that you hate in high school. He's a total dipshit here, and he is the constantly the butt of a joke, and it just. <laughs> Made me feel pandered too. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, the thing is weird. I I didn't watch this show probably as recently as you guys have, so I have it a little bit skewed with almost every other '80s show. 
<laughs> it, it is pretty similar in like a lot of ways. It has the orchestral kind of soundtrack behind it. So, you know, like it it's pretty similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, so, so what do so you remember from the your show? Your favorite character was G.I. Joe then. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty sure that my favorite character is is the guy from Golden Lance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Okay, good. Uh did, what, what was like, That was cool. Oh no, wait. That was Golden Lance too. You know, so I'm just thinking about like like damn. Um what do you remember about the show? Mostly the actual dungeon master himself. That's my favorite character because of what he like because of the fact that when I was thinking that you play D&D as the dungeon master, it was just in every single way as possible not what that would have looked like. Yeah, he's like this little uh this cheeky kind of uh Gerber baby looking old man kind of sitting like, on a like stump. Like Gandalf Mini-Me. Like, yeah, like yeah, that's a pretty good description of him. Gandalf Mini-Me that, like, shows up and then gives cryptic words of advice and then Batman's out. And I don't know, if if we're looking at him as a DM, he is a very sadistic DM. Yeah, well, this is for a one-shot. So he shows up and he tells you what you're going to do to quest today. And, you know, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is you just right. go and, and do that quest. Tim, what did you, or Gaslock, what did you like about the about the DM? Like, what are your memories about him that like kind of stuck with you? Um, he reminded me a lot of. Remember the animation of the original Hobbit? Yes. <laughs> you remember the uh, the Wood Elves? Uh, were they kind of like Hoggle? They were super super crazy looking. They don't they didn't look like the way you think of as elves. Like they definitely didn't bring them the elves across is that in the uh the live action movies they were really creepy they're really the wood elves they're super super creepy but they're super awesome too they were like aliens almost um mm. oh my god yeah they they, they look a lot like the dungeon master <laughs> <laughs> your description is very this is a apt comparison yeah so anyway that was like i just saw him as like whenever i'd see him i, I was thinking of all these other i don't know the way my brain works it's just things are happening that aren't really pertaining to what's actually happening it's just all conglomerating mm-hmm. so uh basically yeah if i look at him i'm like thinking of those guys and how cool they are you know from the design aspects of it and i think that all the other guys kind of were like i don't know uh just like kind of mundane but, like the small guys the barbarian yeah, yeah. Bam Bam. bobby yeah he, he's so, just bam bam from flintstones exactly so like um i i typically watch those shows with design at, just at, at the forefront of what I'm thinking about. So, um, was there a black character? See, this is how little I remember. Yeah, the acrobat I think was a uh, was a uh, was uh, was multiracial in some capacity. Yeah, she was she was pretty good actually. I, I enjoyed her because like because you can't do a ton with like violence in the animation. The this era was really good with doing acrobatics, and so she really shined. She was very useful. I, I didn't like her much at all. <laughs> like, uh, and for the personality reasons that I already explained, like she just uh, she showed she stepped out of the shadows when she's like, "It's my turn to play," and then does her staff thing and then like retreats quietly. It's like, I mean, okay, I'm done. Like that. Yeah, I just I find that uh, kind of player pretty annoying. What the hell is going on over there? I have no idea. Are you in a carnival? Pretty crazy. Huh. Hi. Yeah, you're just walking through a carnival now. <laughs> that that uh, that actually brings to mind the intro to this uh, to this show. 
Yeah, where they're just at a yes. Yeah, so like, do you remember the intro <laughs> at all? Because <laughs> they start in a carnival with carnival music, go into like a tunnel of love situation. They go through like a land of the lost, kind of jump the tracks into going back in time, and now they're in D and D. Damn. He's dead to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want us to uh, kick you off the call for a minute and then uh, <laughs> have yeah. you come back when it's a little quieter? That's the finale right there. Beautiful. Oh, wow. cool. <laughs> but can I, I have to actually charge my phone. Can you guys, what's a good time? In, uh, you guys want to resume this in like, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, I just have to get to an outlet. Huh? Uh, you just have to get to an outlet in order to charge the phone. Die. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, we can we can probably just continue on without if if that's all right if that works for you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the uh, gas fuck. I am gas fuck signing off. Uh, do, well, do you want to do you want to plug your uh, online presence before you go? Yeah, <laughs> Mists of Incharta coming out very soon. Everybody okay. is welcome. Fantastic. If you want to give us the details in Facebook uh, when you get the chance, then we can put a link up on the show notes to uh, direct people toward your project. Okay. All right. Well, then, I shall see you guys presently. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a yeah. pleasure. Take Bye. it easy. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You too. Wow. That was wild. <laughs> That's, I, he's, what an, what an element. <laughs> what an elemental. Yeah, what what he's like a he's like a hallucinogen elemental. Uh yeah, so that was uh that was Gasfuck. Um apparently. The the like one of the formative dungeon masters of our of our adolescence, so you can imagine how that went. Yeah, and uh, and true to form, uh he is doing many things at once, so he had to jump, but uh, <laughs> we can continue talking. It seems as though his experiences were mostly with D&D growing up and not so much with the actual cartoon. So we will Which is fine. Like continue. This... Yeah. <laughs> I mean like yeah, no 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 disrespect, no no judgment or anything. Like this is our this this is how we interact. This is not necessarily it's like his Gary speech. told us a couple episodes ago. Like, there's no ruling body for what you can do in a podcast. I, I'm trying to take that uh, that inspiration to heart. I'm I'm trying to uh, let go of the part of my brain that thinks that I have standards to adhere to just because I have had them in my brain for the past 130 episodes. Like, that's not yeah, how it works. <laughs> it's not actually. It doesn't actually indoctrinate us into any one way of being. Yeah. Um, anyway, let, let's continue talking about the actual show. I said pretty much most of what I said about I, I needed to say about the yeah, characters. We, we, you were bringing up about the uh, the intro. Oh yeah, how, yeah. I was I was the the intro is kind of interesting because I I don't think it's very good. It, it it's of a piece of intros in that time, like He Man. Like we're going to explain everything you need to know about this show. Yeah, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice is the strongest point of comparison I could think of. Oh yeah, I I don't even know about that. I, I, I think it. I think it's pretty similar. Better. Like that, you know, we we get traveled into the past. Hey, you're the knights now, idiots, mm -hmm. and and then fucking go. The, the thing that I think is pretty bad about it is just that it starts with fucking carnival music. It's like, a bit of were, jarring. What were they start. thinking? Why are hey, we starting a Dungeons and Dragons ride? It's crazy. Why are we not like? Because they do Tolkienian kind of fantasy fanfare later in the intro. Just do that for the whole thing. It doesn't matter that it's not their literal background when we get to them. You can keep the carnival and the tunnel of love, jump the tracks, land of the lost thing, and just 
have know this... what they mean when they say we need to get home because you know we need to know that home is the real world. Well, you're 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 missing my point though. Like I I don't think that it you can. It doesn't have, have to be a carnival. <laughs> no, no, it can be a carnival. Like it just the music is uh, really goddamn jarring. Yeah. Like yeah, I just and... want. Let's start with Tolkienian. Fa- like what I want is the fanfare from Pirates of Darkwater to be playing the whole time. And you can speed up the intro carnival thing and cut everyone's dialogue and then start talking once you're in the fantasy zone. And that means that you're starting a D&D episode with music that is D&D-like. Yeah, I think that does make a lot of sense um, because the music in the rest of the show is actually really good. I, uh, I like the orchestral uh, kind of stuff. The composer Johnny Douglas did a lot of work on Marvel production shows. And like... This music is generally like quiet and understated. It follows the action really well. It's like, oh, is this danger? Is this stately? Is this collegial? Like, what is going on in the scene? It's not groundbreaking. It's just it's very effective. I uh, I did this like you know this um this really responsible uh, self contained researcher podcaster thing where I try to find opinions in other people's IMDb reviews. <laughs> and uh, and one, re- one, one review that I found had uh, stated that um, the music was good, was like kind of memorable to them because they weren't afraid to pull it for some of the more emotional moments. I don't know if that's actually true, but I, I, the fact that it, the music stuck with them at all is, is kind of proof in its own right. I also saw an IMDb review that was simply titled, I don't think those poor kids ever got home. Wow. Which, which I think it's like a pretty... It's, it's like, true. There was a finale that was never fully produced. It, it's it's like Samurai Jack. It's just like it it's dire. Part of the story is that they don't get home. Yeah. Or Which like a I... hundred good deeds for Eddie McDowd. He's still a dog now. But here it's okay because like I don't understand why they want to get home anyway. They're like, blank. They're having they're... a blast. No, they're 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 blank. They're non characters. You know, it, it's not a. It, there's no cost there. Like Samurai Jack is more of a person than these than these kids are. Mm-hmm. Uh, um... I, one point, you, about, yeah, one point about the cast that I want to dig into is, like, there's no cleric. Like, clerics have been a staple of D&D since the beginning. I assume it's because, like, D&D is already a them. hot issue. You don't want to get bring God into these things? No, I totally disagree. There's a, there's a different reason. And it's because for the cleric to do something cool, you'd have to have injuries. Mm, yeah, you that's a good I mean? point. Yeah, like, and, and the violence already was too much. To, to have kids getting injured in a show and have like, that tied yeah, to D&D, boots. fucking no way. Like, mm-hmm. so, so the cleric wouldn't have a place in the party. So I, I think that makes perfect sense. Also, um, like, like, you can yeah. only really have one mage just because it's easier to see physical action and, and get engaged with that. Yeah, th- I mean, th- the sorcerer in this is sort of, is, is very similar to um, Madame Raz from She-Ra, which, you know, that, that was terrible. But uh, from the original She-Ra, where mm-hmm. you'd, you'd make a rhyme and that would do the thing. Uh, there's a I think this is better because he is a very insecure nerd mm-hmm. that uh, that is that is constantly unsure of himself and is has like some pretty crushing, uh, pr- crushingly low ego moments. So like for him to be trying to do his David Blaine magic and having it not quite work out. I think that's pretty cohesive. Uh, like, yeah. I think he's my favorite character for that reason. And I, I don't mind the rhymes even just because like magic in D&D historically has been such a difficult thing to nail down and get right. Um, like there's so many different tabletop uh, magic systems. How do you balance it? How do you make it fair? How do you uh, make it intuitive and fun cool. and neat and unique? And it's like, it's so difficult that like doing this sort of, you know, Wizard, wizard on the wall, let me cast this. Featherfall, like that, I 
I can't really think of a better way to do it in the show. It would not work in a tabletop. It's also bolstered by the fact that um, he's not cool when he yes. casts his spells. <laughs> like, like, part of the comedy of this show comes in by intentional misunderstandings on the part of his wizard hat, who is, like, apparently, like, a malevolent genie that is, like, feeding psionically off of his head or something, because it definitely has a mind of its own, and it definitely has well, some... Well, they uh, all get these sort of magic items to help them survive, um, and the magic hat is just sort of the most obvious... Uh, right, but, of that. right but whenever he wants something it the the magic hat interprets it it like it it is like it, a call it, it's a call gin spell from D 3.5 the gin does not want to be doing your laundry he will intentionally fuck you up in like yep. he's he's intentionally every every time he asks his hat to do something he it intentionally reads his request in the most fucking childish petty way he can and mm-hmm. you know so like the fact that it does that <laughs> means that the wizard character is the source of comedy and the fact that he's doing rhymes in order to enact his magic, I, I think is th- those, those, those are pretty, uh, I, I think that's a very consistent sort of tone with that character. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the cool characters are the, uh, Archer, the, the, the ranger character, the, like our kind of main leader, good guy. Yeah. Who he's is so like, bland. He's, he's very bland, but Just he's also man with a bow. He's very bland, but he's also like, I, I was, I, I found him uh, compelling as like a leader of kids, and he's also a kid. Like, I always read him as putting on more confidence than he actually had because he had to because nobody else would step up. I was taken with his manliness. I was taken with his manliness. Yeah, in a, in a Tarzan, a Lord of the Jungle sort of way. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so he's one of the, ma- the 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 cool character, the the sort of power fantasy. This is a cool guy kind of character. There's also the thief whom is very uh, useful, like efficacious. She's not used for the butt of a joke at all. And also the acrobat for, for similar reasons. It's so, the thief is really weird to me because for the rest of them, it kind of makes sense. Like like their job fits with their personality. The thief doesn't make sense. Like she hates being alone. She gets damseled and distressed. Like it's the opposite of you'd expect like a classic thief character. It, it would make sense if she was the face of the party. And so that like afraid of being alone means there's no more suckers. But like it's, it, it's no, not she's that. definitely a mother hen. Like she's, she's a mother hen and she's got a cloak of invisibility. It's pretty poorly considered. But, uh, you know, she's never portrayed as the butt of a joke. She's always portrayed as pretty being pretty empathic. Sort of the team heart. I almost read her as. Yeah. And then Acrobat, as you said, is just like always knows exactly what to do, is is usually used to solve kind of the more geographic, you know, there's that element of D&D campaigns where you have to solve, ge- you have to solve geography, essentially, yeah, it's yeah. like fully one quarter of all D&D encounters is to cross this geography without getting injured. And, right. and she's usually pretty good for that. I remember in our play by post game, um, I set up this great like, okay, you have to get into the temple through this entrance, it's up. You know, it's high up above, but oh, look, if you jump on the the like balconies of these shops in the bazaars and each shop has its own little like gimmick thing and you have to make all these rolls and the scion in the party is just like, I'm going to use a teleport and we're going to just hop up there. I'm like, damn you, high level characters. Just uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like uh, that's like one of the reasons that I intentionally in my current campaign that I'm that I'm playing in is uh, I, I'm playing a uh, dwarf wizard and to keep kind of in theme, it, he doesn't take any fly spells or any it, like his bard school is conjuration. So he doesn't have any teleportation and he mm. refuses to take fly spells because you're not supposed to fear the ground. The ground is love. Ground is life. 
so, so like a lot of those how do we get past geography stuff i'm just like let the fighter handle it like he's got athletics he can climb yeah. a rope um you know just i i think i think that plays to plays to the spirit of it more but um, they're, you, they're you... the serious characters the the goofy ones are the barbarian whom i like actually i think bam bam is really is a really good character in this i as well as the yeah took care of chatting about the characters enough sure that's fine I, I just wanted to mention that the other three are all goofy. So, oh, yeah. So they're like the three and three. The, the dichotomy of having half the party be comic relief and half the party be get shit done, I think it's a good mix. That is what you see in like actual games that you're in running. In actual games, yeah. Like some people just want to make jokes out of it and some people actually want to do the cool stuff. And again, what I was talking about with like some players want to engage with the power fantasy elements. Some players want to engage with the role-playing elements. Like there's room for all of that and... It is so awesome if everybody kind of kind of agrees to just like let everybody into the into the playpen. Yeah, and that like you that when you're starting a game, you have to tell the characters like find a way, find a reason that you would work with these people. In uh in in your play by post campaign, I actually had a really difficult time because my character was really acerbic and stubborn, and mm-hmm. that's not how I am as a person. How I am as a person is I want everyone else to like me, especially if they're people I can't see on the internet. So, like, I had to very willfully be like, this is out of character. Like, I, I, I'm i I'm sorry that my character is being mean and a jackass like this. I'm just, I'm playing my character. But, it was, <laughs> but like, when I, when I committed to it, it actually was one of the more fulfilling things to do. Well, you balanced out the fact that, like, a lot of people... Um, especially in a play-by-post situation um, where just because of the nature of like people log on once a day, maybe they'll miss a day and maybe they won't be able to say what they want to do and you don't want to have to wait for them. Um, people will be like deliberating every little thing and your character's just, no, we're, I'm doing this. You guys yeah, can come along. Kick in the door, put, you, pull him up by the scruff of his neck, let everybody balance. else figure this out. Um, another interesting thing about the play-by-post is because um, you have time to adjust you don't actually need to have things super well planned out ahead of time and uh that led me to become very gimmicky and like you and i've been playing D for so long do classic like generic plot lines like in the show do they like do you still get value from them or do you really need gimmicks to to get it up these days no i i really like like i said i really like the one shot kind of approach monster of the week Mm-hmm. sort of format that this has i i think it's act- in a bizarre twist the show actually has more well fleshed out stories than most campaigns yeah i did not hate the show no i, I was I expect- expecting to <laughs> this is kind of an interesting like it's it's really pushing us as podcasters to engage with uh one of the most difficult things about going back to things that you remember in whatever context as a kid is that you have to disabuse yourself of these biases and my bias says that D&D is sacred. And the fact that they're using Tiamat in the first in the first episode, there's no way they'd be that high level enough to. But like once I re- relax that side of my brain, that's very critical and protective and defensive for D&D. This is like a pretty good game. If you're especially if you're just a kid and you don't really care about the rules, if you just want to play, this is yeah. pretty good. And it's pretty good even as a show. Like it's, it's streamlined. Yeah. Like as we saw in Pirates of Darkwater. If you have an interesting world and you're constantly showing off more of it, you can forgive a lot because of the constant novelty. In in this case, the things you're forgiving are, yeah, weak dialogue, weak characters. Fine. It I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that in a D&D game anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody commits. <laughs> this like, dude's name is Shanks. He's going to murder you. The All most right. important thing, I think, is that it's streamlined 
in the style that a D&D game isn't. So you're really getting the best version of a D&D game here. You don't waste time unnecessarily deliberating about what this what the role of this tavern wench is. You don't like fail gather information checks and then just sit there with your thumbs up your asses trying to figure out which magical wands you could have that will tell you which direction is. Mm-hmm. Just fucking look around at your surroundings, jackasses. Yeah. Like it, it's it 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 uh it removes a lot of the friction of D&D and I think the friction is the hardest part for newcomers to get into. So this is a very effective show for like hey, if this setting appeals to you, it might take some more doing, but there's definitely a space for that. Another aspect that fits here that doesn't fit in most D&D uh, campaigns but actually does in the play-by-post is um not everybody has to be doing something useful all at once. That's true. You don't ask it what everyone does and they're like, "Oh, let me try Whatever the hell. Like, well, we're uh, fighting things in the air, and I can't fly, so I'm gonna wait. Like, just wait. It's not yep. interesting here. Like, only one person needs to do X. You're so. only looking at one thing at a time, so it's not as though. Like, imagine, imagine the version of this show that is true to life, Oof. wherein when there when there's you know monsters in the sky, goes around, roll initiative. You know, Archer goes first. He shoots one down. Thief goes next. Turns invisible. Magician goes next, rhymes some bullshit. And <laughs> you do that, and you go through all of them, and they each do their own thing. Some of them are not useful, but they're all definitely reacting. You could do that. Some like of them the are not interesting. Well, I mean, it's not that they're not interesting. Like, the Cavalier could ready an action and stuff. That That's fine on its own. If you tried to do the show like that, it'd be unwatchable. Every six seconds... Like, it slows. It, you can't it, do it. It's the problem that when you're running an actual campaign and, like, you know, you've all had a few drinks and people are forgetting their abilities and, like, it you just slows wait. to a crawl. Yeah, yeah. You um, got like, I mean, like, just have a general idea when you get there. It, it's so frustrating to be part of a D&D campaign where, like, somebody is only invested in, in it insofar as, like... I don't know. Like, I guess what you were saying, if they've had a couple of drinks and they kind of lose focus and then you kind of have to wait for them to read through all their uh, all their stuff and like remember what class they are and stuff. It's, it's hard as a DM to tell your good friends, hey, f- focus up like, yeah, I need you. I need you taking this as at least as seriously as the people next to you. And, and you know what? We, at this point, we're just grousing about like D&D. Uh, we knew this is what this would be. <laughs> D&D pet peeves, which is like the most important thing is that like everybody's everybody's having fun fun together and if it slows to a crawl then like that's okay um but what i wanted to say about the the play-by-post structure and i'm kind of hyping it up to myself because like my friends and i haven't played in about a year and like we want to start again and that just seems like the best way to do it logistically can can i uh can i interject real quick please uh i you know i was uh this, this is a little behind the curtain i just quit my job uh i have a new job starting soon but i've been pretty checked out while i was at my job so as opposed to working for the past week, I've been rereading all of the play-by-post stuff from our old campaign, mm. and just like that has been my paid labor as of the past <laughs> couple of days. Um, it's been really fun, and uh, yeah, that, that's really all I wanted to say. Uh-huh. Continue. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's nice about that system is, you know, you have people coming and going, and like sometimes people just drop off, and you're like, okay, that character's an NPC now. But you can split people among different forums. You can do kind of mix and match. You can spend time with everyone that you couldn't normally do. You can't juggle eight people in an actual setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's there's so many ways to have fun with D&D. Like, you can do it the way that this 
show does it with the one shots, with the classic formula, with the, you know, just move, move, move plot thing. Like if you don't have anything to do, don't say anything. You can do it like anyone who's listening to this who hasn't played D&D, try D&D. Yeah, it's it's like I mean, like I said, with the with the with the show and all that, like there is that initial friction if you're coming to it fresh. Um, yep. Here's here's a little quick life tip. If you start a D&D campaign and the people in it can't deal with the friction of you getting up to speed, you should not be playing with them. And they should not be playing D&D or probably coming outside their houses because, like, it's definitely one of those nerd activities that can totally gatekeep a bunch of people who would enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, it, like I, I think that, like, an important part of any activity, like any social activity or any, like, uh, thing that you can have mastery at is being helpful to newcomers. You know, I, I think that that's true of uh, working out. I think that that's true of any kind of scholastic thing is like it, you're not really that good at this unless you're teaching the people who are just coming to it now and, and you're mm-hmm. being accepting of their relative inexperience. And like I know a lot of people in my current campaign, I know some people who are playing D- D&D for the first time and they're very good at it. <laughs> but yeah. in order to get there, we had to give them. We had to meet them halfway, right? I, I introduced my grad school buddies to it, um, and a lot of it was just like, "Oh, this is how you want to do it. All right, well, this is how we're doing it now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it, the system's flexible enough to accommodate that. Um, one thing that um, jogged my memory when you mentioned it is, um, in terms of like getting new people engaged, uh, do you remember that uh, live action web uh, web? Uh, uh, sorry internet movie dorkness rising oh no i thought you were going to talk about harman quest oh harman quest is another good example of like bringing people in making them like finding a way to bring people in and uh make them feel like they're contributing no matter what is dork rising the one where they had uh the paladin that they had to like coax outside every time they wanted to like steal something or like rough someone up yeah, yeah, they, they they needed to uh, interrogate somebody, and they're like, "So Osric, I sense evildoers outside." All right, roll a block check. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's some great clips in there. But I have very strong memories of that. You must have sold that movie what took me pretty well. I did, um, and so it's it's a movie of uh, like live action players, and they play as their character counterparts, and the movie switches between them and carries the themes over. Um, in, in a very effective way, you know, like it's so hard for anybody to engage with somebody else's D and D story. <laughs> it, it it can be like it, it's one of those things where it's just like D and D. You you kind of have to give a little to get a little. Like you mm-hmm. you have to like try to be invested in their story, and that that's a hard thing to do, especially if you're just being told a story on the order of minutes as opposed to on the order of months. I I was in a game shop once uh, a couple years ago, and this kid really wanted me to tell me about like the latest adventure he and his D&D group did oh, and the cool magic item and I just I was weighing in my mind like do I encourage him or do I explain to him not only do I not want to hear it nobody <laughs> wants nobody ever would want to hear this at, at what age do you tell a person to stop sharing their dreams with you right <laughs> it's like both in, both in the literal sense and in the metaphorical sense yeah yeah uh, let, let's get back to the show because I, I want to yeah. touch on a couple more elements of why I think this is not only a decent show but a good D&D show yeah. there's an emphasis on group dynamic that I think is like really good if you're trying to sell the wholesomeness of a D&D campaign okay 
You know, like I, I said a lot how like it can be power fantasy, but it can also be about the role play. There's episodes that focus on every character's fear. And yeah. the leader has to like come to them and be like, hey, listen, these things that you're afraid of, they're, they're just in your heads. Like you, you're afraid that you are seen as too young. We don't see you that way. Um, you're, you're afraid of being bullied. We don't see you that way. Like the, this is not a, this is, this is just a, like kind of a figment of your imagination. And we're, we're all, we're all kind of a group. So yeah, I can, love it. I love it when players like help blocky, like uh, bolster each other's strengths. That's so cool to me. And like, yeah, absolutely. Like, also, I, um, I love that even though we both probably only watched a couple of episodes, we picked out the same ones based on name alone. Uh, oh, you pick the Tower of Fears or the Skeleton Warrior or whatever. I'm like, oh, Skeleton Warrior. Yeah, I'm in. And I'm, yeah. Ben's probably in too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, Skeleton This is like when we were watching He-Man and we went to the one that said dragons in the title. Or in uh, Johnny Quest and we're like the fraudulent volcano. Like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the fraudulent volcano. Cheating on uh, but, his but yeah, like they, they uh, worked. It's a believable team. Like they're forced together because they have this common bond in a way that like, yeah, you watch... Um, you know, there was this uh, show that Chrissy and I watched recently, Dark Matter, where like these characters don't have much in common, but they're all they have. And so they have right. to like help each other through things, even, you know, no matter what their interpersonal drama is. Right. It's like Lord of the Flies, except that they don't kill any each other. Mm -hmm. I assume that's what happened in that. I've only seen like Simpsons references. No one's ever read Lord of the Flies. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I do like how camaraderie is the key. You know, and, and there's in the episode with the um, with the, the 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 main character, the the ranger, uh, being the be, being a traitor or supposed to be a traitor. Mm. They they have a good like five minutes devoted to how could you do this? We all look up to you. We all trust you. We're we're never gonna be it. Like we have to exile you. Wait, no, we got to give him a fair trial. It's like how can we give him like they? There's a lot of role playing going on between the characters in it. Yeah, and I was I was pretty enthralled for that entire like how do they deal with it? This person is the most efficacious, the leader, and one of their friends, and yeah. yet, you know, the person who got kidnapped, who has supposedly been betrayed to the enemy. Um, is is the is the little brother of one of these characters, so you can see her having a real hard time with it on a personal level level too. And that there's nothing going on with D and D during those <laughs> moments. It's just all about the party and how they interact with each other. Yeah, and like this is the advantage of of having such a wide open setting and having all the characters being quote unquote good. Um, is that sometimes you need to have them wrestle among things that aren't quite clear if it's good or not. Yeah. Um, one of the drawbacks of the flip side of that coin is like a lot of the plots seem to deal with like the bad guys trying to get the good guys to do bad things because the laws of magic say sometimes only good people can do these things. Right. Yeah. The the only only pure of heart can open this portal kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't mind a good like corruption or manipulation plot, but it feels arbitrary. Like it's why does magic work that way? I, I mean, like you're 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 thinking really hard about like a D and D plot, you know? No, I, like, it I, doesn't... I mean, like I get why like they would construct it like that, but like there are so much you can do in this show, and I just kept seeing it was like, a consistent theme. It of like these guys are good. What if we could try to make them do things that are not good? I mean, like I, I think yeah, and and I I guess I see what you're saying there. I think that that ties back into the the issue of it being a um, '80s animation thing where they have to have morals mm -hmm. 
where where like we and that's the character of the cavalier he's such a jerk ass you know part of the reason for that is because the creators wanted the naysayer negative nelly of the group to be vilified and made fun of for not being on board with the party like uh, for you know denigrating other people and for just complaining all the time. They they wanted him to be the butt monkey for that reason to mm. like show everybody else that that's not the right way to go through this. The right way to th- go through this is cohesion. So yeah. I, I think that a little bit of that whole we need to show someone being corrupt so that we can see what the right thing is. I think that that's the reason for it. Uh, it's impressive that it fits in so naturally with the '80s cliche of like you know working together, doing the right thing. Yeah, it's chicken egg situation. I don't know which one of them influenced the other one, or if it was just kind of a happy accident. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, to uh, to talk about another element of this, um, I wanted to kind of touch on the uh, the way this looks. Like I said, I think that the action is pretty good. Yeah, for the era, they, they like they're. It feels like they're not using all the frames, but like the things they're doing are cool. The things they're doing that are, are cool and unique. There's this one part where the acrobat character throws her staff sideways like a boomerang and knocks a bunch of lights down. Mm-hmm. And you see both the flickering of the flames and them getting knocked down in succession. This must have been a, a pretty big difficulty animating, and it really it really shows polish for the era. Like, again, th- this isn't He-Man. This isn't we close up on a character's face and only animate their mouths moving. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot more than that. Yeah, uh, so the animation was done by Toy, uh, which mm-hmm. did like Sailor Moon and Slam Dunk and those. So like Cat Hat. Sure. It's that cat in that hat. I've said oh, this so many times. Yes, that's right. I I always assume you're talking about the the uh, uh, does, Mike Myers movie. Oh <laughs> wait, did, did Doctor Seuss's Mike Myers step on for that show? Like, <laughs> are you talking about uh, the, uh, the 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 movie Cat in the Hat? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought that it was um um. Uh, Jim Carrey. You're thinking of the Grinch. Is that Jim Carrey? Yeah. Really? Masterful performance. Really. Masterful performance. Like, oh man, my, liar, liar, my heart melted. <laughs> but like, yeah, for on the '80s curve, like this is clearly more technically impressive than He-Man. But compared to like Slam Dunk, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I was just compare. I, it's hard not to just compare everything to He-Man in the eighties. <laughs> and again, Slam Dunk was using a very it it didn't have the same uh, methodology and motivation for creating cartoons as America did in the eighties, and that was yeah. to sell toys. Yeah. So so they had already. I think maybe you know that you're 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 bringing up something that I think we should keep in mind for for that decade, which is stuff coming over from Japan was not marketed to sell toys it was marketed to sell the cartoon right mm-hmm. and that's later something that walt disney with ducktales and you know that whole the, the the early 90s would uh would write into law for the way we make cartoons now is to actually make good shows it, i think maybe J- japan just like caught on a little bit sooner but th- mm-hmm. this goes in the face of the way that the u.s did in the 80s this also serves as a transitory period from that nature of violence in the medium like it's more violent than other shows of its ilk but it's not like bloody violent the 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 i think the best way to showcase that is the ranger Mm -hmm. he shoots exploding arrows but because they are explode they're energy bolts and they just sort of rock people back they don't like open a chest cavity or anything right yeah yeah it's it's violent but not necessarily like darkly like darker toned 
Yes, it, it's very uh, it's very tame violence. It's foam bats. It's there, um, there's villains, but they're campy villains. Right. It's 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 nerf violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed uh, to nothing violence. Mm-hmm. Which is what we get heat with He Man or with uh, Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, where they did very light parkour. Mm-hmm. As as an and as even the parkour here is better. I, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, yes, the pole vaulting is pretty good. I, I like the pole vaulting. Um, yeah. To talk about the, just since we were talking about the uh, the weapon of the of the ranger character, that bow and arrow, it's cool how their weapons are only there when they want them to be, because they are those items of power that the DM gives them all in the first episode. Yeah, and they, uh, you can see that sort of like Sailor Moon DNA. Yeah, 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 with like the... That it's part of their costume generally, but it isn't until they pick them up and start using them that they get this faint yellow aura, very like in the name of the moon kind of trans sentai transformation stuff. Of I, I mean, you can imagine it as like a D and D character sheet. Like, yeah, you have all those things in your equipment list, but you're not like you're not using you don't them think possibly. of them on you. Yeah, so like you know, Bam Bam will carry around his club, but when he actually does a D and D move, like a secret technique, pound the ground so that a bunch of books fall on Hordak. You know, when he does that. His uh, his little club will grow, will glow, uh, will glow yellow. We'll grow three sizes that day, just like the Grinch. Right. Um. And, and what's cool about that is that you can almost see the player behind them, like the player behind that character, wanting the action to look cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, do, do you know I, what I mean by that? Like, yeah, I, like I, I'm a barbarian. I want to do something other than just attack. I see an opportunity. Hey, can is a dm can you let can you let this slide and he's like okay let's add a little glow so there's let's like let, that let's add, deniability. let's add some racing stripes and a lightning bolt it'll go faster yeah it, i i think that's very cool like mm-hmm. I, I think that that's that really emphasizes the i'm playing D because i want to feel cool aspect of it yeah so to have them have their items of power kind of glow reinforces that mm-hmm. um yeah that, that's all i had in animation do you have anything to, else to say about it you know, it's 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 the same as it was with the characters, with the audio, with everything. Everything in this show is just a bit better than I was expecting. A bit better than the surrounding territory at the time. Yeah, I, I think I bounced off of it initially because I wanted to defend the, you know, the institution of D&D. That's exactly right. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of the opposite. I think it's ties to D&D and the recognition I get when I see a spell that I know or, you know, something like that. It's like, oh, that that gives me nostalgia, even though I, I definitely never watched this show growing up. It's it's part of a larger nostalgia of uh, just appreciating the surroundings that uh, that a particular franchise has. You know, um, <laughs> I I box. Um, you know, not all the time, not professionally, but I, I think of it as one of my hobbies. And even if I have never seen a particular boxing thing, a poster will come up and I'll be kind of into it because I'll be sizing them up in a boxing way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and like, um, if somebody explains to me how a fight went down or if I am viewing a new, uh, if I'm viewing a new property that has anything to do with boxing, I'll get a little jazzed because it just reminds me of the things that I love. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's what's going on with you with this is that like it just reminds you of things that you love. Like even think, though you haven't seen this specific thing, it just it's adjacent enough to to kind of tug those heartstrings. Also, like because it needs to be a cohesive plot line, um, they're actually kind of good like plot hooks and elements that like I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, I can use that for my game. Yeah, like, I'll use that. Oh, the amulet gives power, but it's cursed and everybody who wears it, people eventually like come to hate. 
perfect. It's, it's straight fucking Samurai Jack. <laughs> it's, it's Samurai Jack uh, wish granting well kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I, I don't and know. Because, I that, well, because that's, the, that's a consistent thing in D anD D, though, is like that kind of twisted irony. Like, well, uh, that's that's what I like about the show is because it's balancing the D anD D constant growth progression idea versus the '80s TV. Everything needs a reset button. They can come into powerful things. There always has to be a catch that makes them turn it away at the end of the episode, and it works. It, it does work. It only works as a one shot. Like because it doesn't have that continuity, it doesn't have any. Uh, it doesn't yeah, have anything beyond a one shot, right? Like yeah, you, can't, I, you can't knock back a bunch of these without getting a little frustrated. Right. It it does just kind of like tread in the wheels after a while. That's why I say that it's very good as a, a sequence of one shot campaigns. But like anyone who participated in this many one shot campaigns without leveling up after a few games, they'd want to reroll characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, music and sound. I, I thought that this was pretty John Williams. It, it's understated. It's I, I, I actually don't think it's John Williams. I think it's more Hans Zimmer. Uh, you think John? You think Hans Zimmer is understated compared to John Williams? I I refer you to. Oh God, what am I? What are my reference points? Uh, Let's, Pirates of the Caribbean versus Star Wars. What are you going for, man? The the slower parts of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, because those existed. <laughs> it, it wasn't like a it wasn't like the movie version of speed where if it goes any like any, <laughs> any slower than like you know four measures a second then you're gonna blow up yeah you, that, you fool you're trying to be, do a, a movement adagio you're, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> kill us all yeah you're gonna get a cramp you know it's uh, a scherzo it's it's light it's comedic it's fast <laughs> i mean like okay so jack uh, uh you know jack sparrow moments aside i think that this i think it is pre-john williams like okay. I, I think I think well, the uh, what I mean is there's grander. no like hummable late motifs. There's no hummable late motifs, but it, there are like a lot of strings and flutes. I almost thought of pa- Peter of the Wolf style, uh, yeah, kind of accenting different actions and uh, and and things like that. And I think that they're pretty good about like you go into a scene and they're entering a swamp and it's like a tense musical cue. It, it does feel like they're like like John Williams is encounter uh, you know scenic uh, Dagobah. Yeah. You know. It it does feel like uh, like a composer wants us to become intimately familiar with this new location right when we step in it. I mean, this is something I like doing in D and D, which is finding a music track that communicates what you're. What you're it's usually like the first thing that gets cut if I'm under some sort of time constraint. Like we had a whole uh, uh, campaign where every battle was just Witcher three music, and I got kind of tired of it. Dude, oh man, yeah. Well, I mean, like the, with the Witcher three music, you can get tired of while you're playing it. <laughs> That that's certainly true. I bet I would do. I, I, we need a sidebar here. I've just been watching the Witcher Netflix series. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. You should watch <laughs> it through episode two because that song, "Toss a Coin to Your Witcher," is such a fucking banger. <laughs> and I like. I'm. I've never used that word unironically before, but holy shit, dude! Wow. <laughs> yeah, like. You do I have be- to play the game first? Is that a nope? Nope, okay. you sure don't. Like, it's just. I mean, it will help because the character of Dandelion is very cute. In in okay. the. Uh, in the it's Netflix been on my series. list forever. You just, I mean, like, it, legitimately, I, I sunk like four months into that game. It is very good. It is very um, good. And it, it, there is kind of an initial friction of just how big it is. It is worth your time. Yeah. And um, it, it's like, I, yeah. I like the music in this show because it never felt repetitive. Um, it always gave no. you a similar sense of things, but it was never quite the same song. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Witcher fighting music. It was ambience different star wars uh 
you know, um, environments. Music. Yeah, yeah. YouTube license free D and D in like innkeeper music. <laughs> I mean, like they never have an in, so that's not really a, a great comparison. But if you do have them, they 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 go through a lot of biomes. I mean, you know, generic. biomes are are something that they like tossing around. Like the ranger is going to have so much fun trying to find tracks in all these different biomes. He's like, I've got skills for exactly this reason. <laughs> Um, I, I always like to include yeah. uh, music that just does not fit for like memorable moments. So like uh, there was one uh, recurring villain in a campaign that I really wanted the um, players to associate with like this sort of madness or instability coming from like a corruption plane. And I played um, like prog rock ballads during that. Um, just like I would have I played Modest Mouse's Fly Trapped in a Jar. Oh man, words tend to ruin the ambiance. <laughs> well, that's what makes him so chaotic. <laughs> oh, because he's like he's a not, getting, not getting not getting down with the order of the business. <laughs> he's so mad, always listening to float on. Yeah, we all have to float on, okay? Okay. Um, the monster voices are also pretty good. I thought. Yeah, they don't work exactly the way you'd expect. It's not a bunch of like gravelly growly. It's like distortion effects that are a, a, a little unique. There's definitely some filter that they're putting on Tiamat, which, like, I first saw Tiamat in the first episode, and and that uh, that D&D defensive nerd that wanted to gatekeep cartoons was like, hey, that's not Tiamat. But, like, once I got over that, I thought that the growly voice of Tiamat was pretty good. There's the skeleton warrior that has that weird reverberation behind his speech. Like, they go out of their way to make these one-off characters and, like, antagonists sound like not our playable characters. I did really like the Tiamat encounter, how most of them recognize, like, okay, we should not be messing with that. You because, like, this. you put that in front of an actual, like, team of heroes, they're going to be like, well, we should at least try, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the things in D&D, which I think, which I wish happened more often in every campaign that I've been in, is that just the DM throws us an encounter we cannot win and does not tell us that. And yeah. we have to just figure out, hey, running is the correct solution here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, th- I thought mostly the monster voices were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I and uh, that that's more or less all I have to say about the music. Like, as as before, it's I mean, like, it's no, you know, Eternia theme song as far as like kind of just jazzy numbers go. Yeah, I couldn't sing a single track from this Couldn't show. sing a single track. It, it wasn't earwormy at all, but it was ambient in, I think, an appropriate, like, in a good D&D way, like you were saying. Yeah. I actually don't have D&D music in my games just because I, I find it It's a lot. Yeah, the, the best I do is play central, sensual dr- jazz when we uh, when we draft uh, magic. That's, that's not bad. No, it's very, very good. Makes makes it feel very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh yeah, anyway, um, I think that I'm pretty much done with this show. Yeah, me too. It was it was a nice trip down memory lane. It was a nice look at something that I expected to be bad and was pleasantly surprised. Um, I do it. All of this prep work of looking back at my old campaigns and all that makes me want to play again. And I think I'm going to start up one of those play by posts uh, with my buds. Uh, if you have any interest in having me on there, let me know. If you don't, <laughs> then I respect that. You will be my recurring uh, uh, NPC who shows up and and causes a ruckus. Okay, sounds that, that, that sounds sounds like fun to me. I will I will pretend to be a new class every time. Yeah, yep. um, and uh, we should uh, thank once again uh, Tim for coming on. Gas, uh, gas fuck. That's his name. <laughs> Apparently, it's canon. Uh, <laughs> I, I like full disclosure, everyone. I don't know if you've got to this part of the episode. I have no idea how I'm going to actually like 
make this cohere into any kind of like lucid conversation. But um, hopefully it will be at least somewhat listenable. Yeah. I mean, you, we we told everybody from the last couple episodes on like, this is going to be a uh, navel gazy uh, kind of look down memory lane. So yeah, <laughs> you're, I, you're getting what we tell you. We're trying new things. Yep. I'm probably probably also like I'm uh, just a very insecure person. I'll probably put a disclaimer at the top of the episode. Well, well, <laughs> but, is, uh, well Ben, this is why uh, for the next couple episodes, we're we're kind of going back to, to form and looking at stuff that we think we'll be able to apply the old carton cast shine onto. So what are, what are we watching for our movie segment? Uh, well, Zane, uh, next episode, we are going to be going to be doing something uh, from our, you know, we, we've done it before where we kind of mix live action and cartoon. We did it with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I wanted to go back to an example that I remember before, uh, you know, it, it was it was after that era, but it was the one that I actually had watched before. We're going to be watching Osmosis Jones. All righty. Yeah. I have a lot of fond memories for like the plot structure of that whole uh, that whole thing. It's got a really satisfying arc. Yeah, yeah, the the like buddy cop like oh shit, this goes all the way to the top, and yeah. you just have to keep <laughs> just keep escalating. It's just got the, real the context of it is is so it's it's like what Finding Nemo did better later, of I'm, like introducing people to actual science. I I will love the I will love talking about the aspect of it. Just something that is so important in their world on the grand scale scale is only like sort of important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, that deliberate devaluing of a, of a situation that they do. Makes you want um, to treat your body right. Yeah. Yeah. Just got like no more. Don't eat any more monkey eggs. Another good way to treat your body right is uh, if you're doing it in a D and D way is pretend that you're a demon inhabiting your earthly husk and you have to keep it alive. <laughs> has that happened to you no it's just i've I've seen on the internet like that's a fun way to like make sure that you're because like i keep my video game sim type characters like i care more about their health than i do my own like <laughs> i don't think i'm the only one yeah i don't like go into work being like am i stocked up on broccoli yeah right <laughs> like did i did i max out my inventory space for broccoli because i know it's gonna help yeah like you uh, you can make a you can make a healthy stir fry like what else are you doing today? Yeah. Uh, so what after what after that are we doing are? Well, it's uh, it's anime time again. Ooh. And uh, I considered giving you a choice between some uh, actual good sh- good stuff or some wacky bullshit. <laughs> did, did I did I tell you which one? Uh, no, I considered t- uh, giving you that choice, but after this D and D thing, I, I'm I'm kind of running the like classic fantasy vein. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna pick something that I know you'll want to watch. Um, it is the 1997 version of Berserk. We're watching Berserk. We're gonna watch Berserk. I, I, uh, I, Zane. Yep. I am. I am game to do that. I am worried that it has been analyzed better by other people. Do you have any difficulty well, with that? Well, Ben, my other option was Bo 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 Bo. Kind of interested in checking that out, to be honest. Well, Ben, <laughs> next time we're gonna watch some bullshit. But- well, I, okay, hang on. Let's, let's, let's actually make sure we... Uh, we, we I, I was honestly... I figured that you would want to do Berserk, and I figured that you would make me watch it at some point, so... Wait, oh, you haven't watched it yet? No. Oh, never mind. Yeah, we gotta do, <laughs> we, we gotta do that. Like, All right, well, we'll have to push off Bobo for yet I mean, another hundred you're episodes. You're really stocked up on vegetables, Zane. This is, this is the thing that is good for you. <laughs> okay that's uh yeah uh, th- th- that'll be a kind of a tricky one to talk about because i have watched a i'm a big fan of berserk and so like i've watched a lot of dissections on the internet and 
you know, I will be at a pretty heavy risk to just repeat my opinions about it. So this is fun because I haven't really like I know broadly that there are some dark elements and that there's like this long term like blood feud between a couple of characters, but I don't know any of the actual plot elements. Okay, okay. So this is great. Um, this means that you are going to be leading the discussion and I will be like prompting. No, I'll be prompting what you think of various stuff because because <laughs> otherwise I'm just going to be like you know, repeating super eye patch wolf's <laughs> opinions this, about it. Is this is something like, where you're gonna want me to watch through the entire thing? Uh probably. Okay. I'll I'll do what I can. Uh like <laughs> We've got I, some you, time. you might not have to, but like a lot of this the, the stuff is pretty plot relevant, so I don't is, know. It, is the ninety seven version the proper one to watch? It's the only one version to watch. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Pick that one. Yeah, uh there are some, you know, compilation movies. I would recommend just watching the the whole anime thing. Cool. Yeah, uh, right, don't well, go into the 2016 it. one. It, it is it is not very good. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it, it, that is correct. But yeah, like we might have to figure out exactly how we're going to do that if we're going to include spoilers or not. Um, I would recommend that you watch the whole thing anyway because there is some pretty significant stuff that happens near the end that kind of colors the entire experience. All right, fun. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out, guys. Listen, you can trust us. We'll figure <laughs> it out. You just relax. We'll we'll come up with the next one shot. Okay. You you can just you just level your character up and make sure you come on time. Yeah. That, no, nothing more than that, huh? Okay. I, what do you what do you want from? Uh, okay, I don't know. Ben. Like, let's we, let's figure out what characters we're gonna play. Uh, yeah. That's something we didn't do yet, actually. Like, what do you like to play as? Oh, you know, I I've played everything except a druid, and that's just because I find them. Uh, I find them boring. No, I just find them boring. Like, uh, I, I, I think that there's, you know, I've never tried playing like an urban druid or like an underdark druid, but, uh, you know, the classic nature druid is the only one that most campaigns like support very well. And I, yeah, uh, I just find them kind of boring. And they just, they have a lot going for them. They have a lot of, uh, yeah, of, like, cause I, I tend to, on how you make a druid, it's either way overpowered or way underpowered. It's kind of not, not ideal. I, I just, uh, I, I just find them hard to role play, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, I'm 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 big time bard, big time bard Zane. I really like rogues. I, I uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I think being the face of the party is fun because I am so much an introvert in real life that uh, I really get a lot out of that role play. But yeah, I, I think that those are both, you know, I, I've played most classes. It's it's fun if you let it be fun and if you if you bring your heart to it mm -hmm. anyway. Um, yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I, I hope that you got something out of it, even if it wasn't the classic carton cast uh cartoon dissection that you were hoping for but you know hopefully you heard what's going on in manhattan uh <laughs> so, you know that's good <laughs> um if you are interested in dropping us a line and telling us what you think of manhattan then uh you can go to carton cast at uh you can you can go to our facebook page you can go to a twitter that i just created that i'm sure i will not yay. keep up with very well uh i'm sorry what did you say I said, yay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you can go to our uh, website at cartoncast.com or our group website at fancybat.com and check out all the other shows in the network, such I as... I think you're supposed to say what your Twitter actually is. It's just the Cartoncast. At the Cartoncast. I think it's, it's either at Cartoncast or at the Cartoncast. I don't remember which. Find the one with the picture of eggs. Yeah, yep, it's the one with the picture of eggs. Uh, just, just like my real face. And, uh, yeah, so you can go to fancybat.com to check out the other shows on the network, such as uh, Amusement Sparks, which is our friend Andrew Spawn's uh, amusement park design podcast. So yeah, if you're... he's done one on Dungeons & Dragons before. 
That's right. He has. Yeah. And he's, pr- he's probably had more uh, attentive guests than Gasfuck, but uh, th- I'm sure that they also have a a fondness for D and D. So we should uh, we should have a we should have a D and D game uh, via podcasting. That, that I th- I mean like I would love to. <laughs> uh, you know just like I, my my phone is on uh, i has not rung you know uh let, let's set that up and i'll be happy to play but <laughs> yeah vin diesel has not uh given us a ring Vinny, come on i'm just i'm i'm marinating over here yeah, in these full um yeah but uh other than that uh you can go ahead and give us a rating or review on apple podcast and more than anything else just tell your friends about the show um you can also drop us on our contact page if you want to suggest a show for us to in uh for us to uh, dissect or to give us comments about either um, or to give us comments about either Osmosis Jones or uh, Berserk. Mm-hmm. And yep. invite us to your next D&D game. Yep. We'll bring the Mountain Dew and Doritos. Cooler yeah, ranch yeah. only nerds. I'm amazed how well we avoided the nerd stereotypes. I mean, like we're, we're so like beyond it now. You when you're in high school, you think it's never going to leave you. And then like once you get out, you realize that like nobody actually likes anything about themselves. <laughs> it's not we it wasn't for evolved. Just nerd plus nerd plus. Yeah. Nerd plus equals podcaster. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Change my mind. Hashtag change my mind. <laughs> I don't like this new hashtag version of you. <laughs> I don't I think know. Think the Twitter was a bad idea. It, it, it was. It predated me joining Twitter. Like I, I just, <laughs> I think it, it sounds nice. I've always been like this, and I need you to accept it. Yeah, yeah. I've always been this way. It's you who misremembered. <laughs>